So join hands and let's pray. Most holy God, throughout the Psalms, you talk about how all the earth will sing to you and how your salvation extends to the ends of the earth and how all the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. All the people, all the earth, all the nations, because your plan of salvation is big, bigger than our own little lives, bigger than the church here at Forest View, your church, your people go around the globe. And this morning, God, we want to thank you for the rest of your body and for the ways that your salvation is being worked out all around the world. Your children are cooperating with your spirit as your glory is declared in word and deed among the nations. And what a good and beautiful thing that is. So God, we thank you for our brothers and sisters in Ecuador and for the school and camp there, we pray, as they fight against the evils of gang and drugs and poverty. May your spirit give them perseverance and encouragement. We pray for Mo and Joe in the church in Malawi and for the orphans that they're providing a home to, for the sign of hope and reconciliation they are to that area of Africa. God, we ask that the joy of the Lord be their strength today. We think about Hand in Hand in Thailand and our Thai Christian brothers and sisters for Margie and her group of women there as they go about their Sunday things today, whether it's working in the hospitals or prisons or slums. God, they are your hands and feet to so many of the people there. May you be their comfort and encouragement this morning. And for Poland and our, and our friends and your church and the Josiah venture there, God, we pray for a country who has largely chosen to ignore you right now. And may the beacons of your light shine through Polish culture. And may they burn brightly and steadily. And may the people of Poland see you as their rock and salvation. And God, as we read the weekly news from the voice of the martyrs, we pray for the pastor in Nepal who was assaulted and threatened this week. We pray for the churches in, in the Ukraine that are being raided and seized. We pray for our Ugandan brothers and sisters in the church there that was just closed due to the violence towards them. We pray for the 10 Christians who were just arrested in Tajikistan for handing out literature. God, these are our family members who are suffering for your sake. Jesus, and we stand with them. And so today, may they somehow know that they are not alone and that their brothers and sisters here in Ontario are remembering them and praying for their strength and encouragement. And may your presence be very real for them today. And for the part of your body that's gathered here in this time and place at Forest View, God, we thank you for the freedom and the community that we have here. We don't deserve this. And this is indeed one of your graces. And may your joy and peace and unity bind us together here. This morning, please give Shogo your words and your wisdom as he talks to us. Please give us listening hearts and obedient spirits. And so together, along with our brothers and sisters all around the world this morning, we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Well, good morning. Perfect, you guys are awake. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Shogo, and I get to be part of the teaching here today, so I get to speak with you this uh, beautiful Sunday. Um, but before we start, did anyone see the question that was up there during mingle time? Now, how many of you chose chocolate chip? Nice, that's the right answer. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, now, how many of you chose uh, oatmeal? Okay, that was the wrong answer. <laughs> now, how many of you don't like cookies at all? Okay, interesting. I'm really sorry. Um, but, but I like cookies, and I, I wanted to share with you today about, a little bit about cookies. Um, but does anyone want a cookie? Okay, well, if, if you come up here, I'll give you a cookie. Uh, you might have to share, because I only have two here, so there's four of you, perfect. <laughs> so there's, you guys can share that half, and then this one kind of broke, so you can have the bag and share it. Perfect, I'm going to take one of these. <clears throat> That's okay, we can save those for later. <clears throat> Look at that. Now more people can have cookies. <clears throat> um, now, when I offered you the cookie, uh, what was your initial response? I don't <laughs> okay, you don't see any cookies. Sure. Were there any other responses? Okay, are they chocolate chip? Really? So there's lots of maybe questions. Um, maybe you said, okay, well, maybe, I don't know, or I shouldn't, or I just brushed my teeth, or... You know, maybe I'll, ah, I'm trying to lose weight right now and cookies aren't helpful. Okay, maybe I'll just have one. Okay, I'll have another one. Ah, I feel really bad. Um, it's not healthy. Like, I can't. There's probably lots of different reactions to other people being like, cookies? I love cookies. Get me one. And so when I asked you about a cookie, you probably all had different responses uh, uh, to that question. Would you want a cookie? And today, I want to kind of frame uh, our conversation around a cookie. Uh, one, because I love cookies. Uh, they're simple things. Um, but I wanted to frame it around, uh, as we read scripture today, kind of like taking a cookie out of a cookie jar and just kind of eating on it and um, just kind of understanding that cookie a little bit. Now, uh, at the end of the day, it's the same thing. Uh, whether you know about the cookie or not, or you are well um, uh, advance in knowledge in cookies, or where it was made, like how it was made, where it's from, what's in it. Um, at the end of the day, we're both going to taste it and say, hmm, this is a good cookie. This is delicious. But, um, and, well, actually, so because of that, I just want you to know that I'm just somebody that has had this cookie before. I know what it tastes like. Um, I've had a chance to observe it a little bit, and I'm just kind of sharing with you, and I'm hopeful, hoping that that will be something that's good for you as well. And really, at the end of the day, I just really wanted to have a cookie in front here, because I've never done that before, and I'm all about adventures, so. It's really good, actually. Um, I've already lost train of thought. But here's the thing about this cookie, is it's not no, it's not no ordinary cookie, because some of you might have said, oh, I can't eat that, because, you know, it has gluten in it. Well, it's actually gluten-free. Um, you might be like, oh, like, that uh, has dairy in it, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm allergic to it. But it's actually dairy-free. It's actually completely vegan. And so it's actually gluten-free and vegan. And initially, I, I, 
sorry for those vegans and vegetarians, but I would be like, oh, that's kind of gross. But it's actually really good. I got it from a store just down the street from my house this morning, and it was made this morning, so it's pretty good. Um, I'll say that, and I'm, hopefully you, with those that you had it, probably would hopefully would say the same thing. But there you go. So again, I already lost my train of thought. <laughs> Where was I? Oh yeah, so we wanted to frame this around um, a, a cookie, because again, I like cookies. And um, I wanted to, to, to compare the between, this is good to, oh, this is good. It's the same thing. But what we experience, what we know, can help us uh, develop a greater understanding and appreciation of what that actually is. And I'm hoping that my understanding and what I came to, my experience in reading the passage today, will be of help to you. And I'm hoping that you would also not just listen to me and say, oh, that's a nice little cookie, but actually go home and read it for yourself and chew on it yourself and say, whoa, this is what I'm experiencing and have that conversation with each other because I think that's when it really uh, comes to life. So as you dive into the scriptures today, um, I want you to imagine as odd as it may sound, um, eating this cookie and learning about how good this cookie is. So let me just pray uh, and then uh, we'll get started. Uh, Jesus, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the blessing it is to read together and to dive together and chew together this word of yours in a world where so many uh, can't just do it opening like we can. Uh, so help us to have ears to hear. Help us to have hearts uh, that are open. And may your word uh, be planted deeply into our hearts and may it grow root. Uh, and may it be deeply rooted and establish itself in love. Uh, may my words be your words. And if there's anything that I say, it's not of you. I just ask that you would forget. Yeah, people let people forget that. So thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. <laughs> so um, the first thing is that I wanted to have to, this morning to be a time of an attitudinal shift. So when I say something like, hey, like, would you like this cookie? I think that it's easy for you to be like, oh, he's offering me something. That's kind of nice. But sometimes when people say, offer you something, you kind of take that an offense to that. You're like, oh, why is he telling me this? Does he think he knows better than I? Does he think that he, you know, is more academic or whatever the reason it might be? But I want us to change that attitude a little bit and understand this is more of a conversation that we're having. Um, and it's not that I'm better. I am more worded. I'm, I mean, I'm not a scholar of any sorts. Uh, it's just someone that has read this and has the opportunity to share it. So, um, rather than taking maybe as like, oh, I need to listen to him and I need to listen to what he has to say, well, because that's the truth, but I want you to actually go home and read it for yourself if you haven't already and actually chew on it and, and come to an understanding yourself. And then hopefully you can have conversation with me or someone else about it. And uh, my hope is that you would come closer to Jesus because of that. Um, and so, to, uh, yeah, let's get started. So uh, the passage today comes from Psalm 27. And we're going to break it down little by little, chunk by chunk, kind of like a cookie. We're going to go through little ingredients at a time, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what I saw and what I think, and uh, hopefully that will be helpful for you in understanding uh, what we're reading today. So verse one. Oh, I have the clicker. I realized. I got to use this thing. You can't see that. There we go. Ah, here we go. Uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The first thing that it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Now, I'd like for you to just close your eyes if you're able to for a moment. Maybe for like five seconds here. And I want you to reopen them. 
what the light does, it allows you to see. It allows us to see what's really around us. And then when the light shines down on something, no, that's not mine. That's someone else. Perfect. Uh, the light allows us to see uh, clearly the reality around you uh, rather than when you have it closed and contrasting to the surrounding troubles that might be around you. And it says, it's light, my light and my salvation, and salvation being the deliverance from the trouble, the rescuing of the, from the trouble, and saving from potential harm and uh, potential risk. And the Lord is the stronghold of my life. So stronghold being the place where your life, uh, where your life dwells in safety, where you can actually sleep at night and not be worried. I'm not sure if you've ever been somewhere in the world where you've, you don't know the language, you don't know the people, and you just want to get to that hotel room or the friend's house, and you're just waiting. And when you finally get there, it's like, oh, I can actually rest. Um, and if you've never slept uh, on the streets or anything like that, you might, it's a really hard thing to do if you do, because you're not sure what's going to happen to you. You're not, there's a lot of noises. A lot of, so this is not like that, but this is a place where you can actually rest. And I, uh, so the first thing actually is the Lord is your stronghold. And this is actually pl um, a place uh, in Copenhagen, which is in Denmark, in the Castellet. Uh, as you can see, um, if an enemy tried to get into that, that's you know, going to be hard because there's only two entries. You see that at the top and then at the bottom there. <clears throat> it's actually pretty cool in there. I was there um, maybe like a year and a half ago. But again, two entries. So it's really hard for people to get in. And it's, it, um, the, the ridge is there. It's actually raised, so you can actually see a little bit better. And I just wanted you to have that uh, picture of what a stronghold or a fortress might be, because it's not this tiny, small little house, but it's actually a big place where um, you're not going to be worried about someone coming in. Um, well, so, yeah, the first thing I want us to think about is the Lord is your stronghold. It's a place of rest, a place of refuge. And the interesting thing about this is that it says the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Um, it's not past tense. Uh, it's in the present tense, it's in the now, and he is the stronghold of your life. And when we think of all that, uh, why do we need to be afraid? We don't, because he is the light that allows you to see, he's the salvation, he's going to rescue you, and he's also the place where you can uh, stay and not be afraid. Verse 2, when the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. So there's actually a strong imagery here. And it said the wicked, when, when the wicked advanced, um, so the wicked can actually advance. It can actually take territory and they actually move forward against you. And that could be a little bit scary. And when you look at the language, things like devour me, my enemies and my foes, uh, though an army besiege me, these languages, it's really, um, it's really real and it's kind of scary. So it's not like a little fly that you can just kind of swat away and it's just annoying, but it could feel really real and really scary to us when war breaks out against me. Uh, so these are very strong words, but it says that they will stumble and fall. My foes will stumble and fall. My heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. 
<clears throat> what strength and what faith? So I'm asking how? Well, what's the secret to being so confident in the midst of troubles, in the midst of all these things that surround me? Well, uh, where are we? Oh, we moved back. I forgot what the slides were. So first thing is, uh, do not be afraid. Um, you don't need to be. Even though troubles surround you, don't be afraid. And then three is be confident in the Lord. Well, what's the secret here? It says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So what's the secret? Uh, total devotion. The writer here cares less about other things in life, even in his life itself. Uh, and he will give up anything to be in God's presence. His number one focus is on God and undivided attention. Because it's really easy when troubles arise, for, and they're real. Like they're not just little things, but they're real things that trouble you and scare us. And it's easy for us to pay our attention to those things. But what the writer here does is he doesn't look at those things. He looks to God. He seeks God. And, he's, and he asks, um, where are you in this? He just, that's the one thing he desires. And when you read it, I find that he finds lots of pleasure in this. Like the moment when you step out on vacation and you step on that beach and you're like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. I feel like I get that feeling from this passage when I read it, is that this is the one thing he just wants. He just desires it. And he knows in the midst of all that trouble, this is the one thing that's going to help him, that's going to save him. And I think that we are often distracted by other things in life. So the fourth thing here, it says, seek him first and keep your eyes on God. In the midst of all that trouble, in the midst of all that's happening, seek him first. Look to him. Ask him questions. Say, God, where are you? Rather than turning away and looking at the trouble and saying, I got to figure this out, look to God and look to him and he's going to give you what you need. <clears throat> Verse five, for in the days of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. For in the days of trouble, unfortunately, those days come. And if I had the chance and time to ask all of you, have you ever had trouble in life? You'd probably laugh at me and say, of course. Whether that may be small, it could be big, trouble comes. That's the unfortunate part. But the question is, what will you do in the days of trouble? What do you do? Well, if you look to him, and look, if you look at the confidence that he has, he will hide me, he will keep me, and set me high upon a rock, a firm foundation. He will bring you into his dwelling, his presence, and he will lift you up. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. My head will be exalted above the enemies. Um, this is a picture of a basketball player named Yao Ming. Uh, he's about seven foot six. As you can see, he is head and shoulders and body above everyone else. Now, when you're, when you can, when you're that high above, you can actually see beyond what is in front of you. So if you think about where, where he's standing, 
He doesn't just see the microphones and the cameras and the reporters in his face. He can actually see above it and past it. And so when you look to God, he's going to raise you and he's going to exalt you to a higher place and you're actually going to be able to see past your enemies. You're going to be able to see past your troubles and see where you're actually headed. Because beyond those enemies and beyond those troubles, you're actually going into a place of blessings. But sometimes when, uh, when there's things in front of you, it's really hard to see what's past that. But if the, as this image shows... If when your head is above, you can see pretty far. And it must be pretty cool to be seven foot six and be able to see through. But then I also think about those like tiny houses where like you're going to hit your head every time. So um, pro and cons, you know. Ah, there we go. So number five here says he's, he's got you. That verse 6 had said that my head will be exalted above the enemies uh, who surround me. At a, sa- a sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Um, initially, I actually didn't know why, what it means to sacrifice with shouts of joy and sing and make music to the Lord in the midst of troubles. But I was thinking if you're actually, your head is above and you're actually seeing things, then maybe you're actually seeing what's coming for you and you're actually able to sing uh, shouts of joy and, you can, uh, and proclaim um, the goodness of God because you see what's coming. But all, and, and so it's kind of like already thanking someone ahead of time or saying, hey, this is coming, thank you, and I get to sing. But also, um, I think when we sing and make music to the Lord, it's actually a way of pushing those troubles back. It's actually a way of fighting and earlier talked about war breaking out. I think that this war in the spiritual sense requires us to sing and make music and praise God in the midst of our troubles. And I think that's kind of our shield and our sword. And that's how we fight our battles. And when we do that, those troubles will fade. Maybe they might not disappear fully. They still might be in front of us, but we'll see beyond that. We'll be able to fight back. And so uh, he's, he's going to give you all those things. So he's, he has you. And in verse 7 and 8, it says, Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face I will seek. So seek his face. Go after God. Seek him. Ask him. Where are you? In the midst of your troubles, ask where he is. Don't turn away from saying, God, you're not going to take care of me. You're not in this right now. He's actually fully with you. He's waiting for you. He's asking you to, to look to him, to seek him. And his heart says, not just his mouth, not just his voice, but his heart, just everything of him says, hey, I'm going to seek your face. And uh, verses 9 to 12, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Now, at the beginning, it says, you have been my helper. So that's a past tense. So when you're in trouble, think about what God has done for you in the past. Is there a time where he came through for you? Is there a time that he was faithful to you? Is there someone that you know the story of, of when God was faithful to them? Because he has been your helper. And so it's looking back at what has he done? And in the future, will he do it again? The answer is yes. 
He says, do not reject me or forsake me. God, my savior, though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. That sentence kind of caught me off guard because it's like, oh, it doesn't sound nice. But the, the, the part that says, though my father and mother forsake me. Now that might be real for some people. And that's a harsh reality. That's, that's, that's not easy. But I also think that what the writer is trying to say is the thing that's closest to you, the thing that gives you love or hope or whatever it is, well, those things at one point will fail you. But even if the closest things to you, the most important things in your life may fail, God won't. He won't leave you. He will receive you as you are. And there's something cool about that. And sometimes um, I think we limit what God can do. And I think we need to, to change that. And we need to shift that attitude that God can and God will. Uh, where are we? There, oh, there we go. <clears throat> uh, teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my uh, foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. Um, if you read that, it's not easy. But in that, in the midst of that, it says, lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. So things that trouble you are going to be the reasons why you're going to be able to walk in a straight path. They're actually going to be for you, uh, not against you. Even though the thing that, that troubles you now might be something that you feel like is against you, and it might really be. God's powerful enough that he's going to shift that, and he's going to put you in the right direction because of that thing. And the last part says, remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. When I read this, um, I thought of kind of like a sandwich. Like the buns are really, um, you know, necessary for a sandwich. But what defines a sandwich is what's in the middle. So you say like a cheese sandwich. Well, it's a cheese in the middle. Like if it's like a roast beef sandwich, it's the roast beef. And for me, there's two things that says, uh, wait for the Lord. And then on the bottom says, wait for the Lord. But in the middle, it says, be strong and take heart. And I think that's the message that I want you to be able to take home today. Is that as you wait for God... What are you doing? It says to be strong. Are you someone that's defined by strength? And what does it even mean to take heart? So uh, thankfully for internet, I literally just Googled that exact phrase. I typed it in. What does it mean to take heart? And this is what I got. Verb. Take something to heart. Idiomatic. To take something seriously, to internalize or live according to something uh, like an advice. He really took it to heart when I asked him to reconsider. So when you take something to your heart, it's something that's, you take it seriously. And again, it said it was a verb. It's an action word. So while you're waiting, are you acting? So when you're waiting, what are you doing? Are you waiting in great anticipation, in strength and faith and in confidence, or are you waiting in fear? Or are you waiting in other, uh, hoping for someone else to come save you? I'm not sure what it is, but I guess my question is, what are you doing in the waiting? Now, 
as someone that has and still is waiting for something from God, I can understand that when you ask God something, it can be hard. You ask him again and again and again, and you feel like nothing is happening. You feel like he's not responding. And I get that because I feel that way when I wait for something and still am waiting for other things. And it's not easy. You want it now. You want it in this moment. Like, God, deliver me now. And God will do that for different people. But I speak to you um, as someone that is also waiting, as a friend, uh, as someone who is still waiting for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And understand that God is able. Because sometimes when you look at the other person that has what you want, you might say, well, what about me? Where's mine? Like, we limit God and we start to accuse God that he's not giving you what you want. But my suggestion is that you would shift that attitude and understand that God is not limited by resources, that God can actually give you what another person has. So when, you see, when you're walking down the street and you see someone that has something that you might want, I want you to see that as God saying, hey, this is something that you can also have too. Rather than saying, oh, they have it, so I guess he ran out, so I'm not going to get one. Because God likes to be faithful. He wants to answer your prayers. He wants to do things for your good. But then again, we also don't know the story of the other person. Maybe they waited 30 years before they got what you just saw in 10 seconds. Maybe they prayed for 20 years before that thing that they have, that they own now, has actually come to fruition. And you've only been waiting for a day. And I'm not saying that you need to compare and say, oh, well, I haven't prayed for a year or I haven't even waited for 30 years. But what I'm saying is that we don't know their story. Maybe they waited really long and had God answer their prayer after however many years. But just know that God wants to answer you and he is faithful, he is sovereign, he is good, and he's going to do that for you. And whatever it is that God has for you is going to be for your good. And we have to trust that. We have to have faith in that. We need to be confident in that. So are you waiting in confidence? Are you waiting in anticipation for what is to come? And whatever it is, God has you. He has you in his hands. You're not somewhere far. You're not forsaken. You have been received by him. And you need to keep your eyes on him. And you need to know who he is and to seek him. Like waiting for that cookie to be baked in the oven. You just have to, you just have to wait a little bit. You know it's going to be sweet when the time comes. You just need to wait a little. And soon you will be able to taste the goodness of what is to come. And maybe waiting will only enhance that flavor. But God is with you in the waiting, and he will be with you in victory. And in that, when that time comes, you will be able to rejoice together and say, God, you are so faithful. But I want us to be able to celebrate now what God is doing in your life in this moment and what he has for you. And I don't want you to lose sight of God who's actually with you in this moment of trouble, in this time of hardship. Because he's going to be the one that you want when you celebrate 
when you receive what you've been waiting for. And so today we get to indulge in that hope and we get to put into action what we believe, that Jesus came for us. And as we move into communion, uh, let us be reminded that when we take these elements, the body broken and the blood shed for us, we are coming together in a common union. And we're partaking in an act together and we're taking communion together as people coming around table saying, hey, we need this too. And I want that to be a reminder of of, of people, uh, maybe indirectly, saying to you, I'm actually in need of God too. I'm actually waiting for him too. But we know that God has something for us and we're gonna put our faith in that. Um, So for those of you that have uh, faith in Christ, uh, I encourage you to partake in communion. Uh, If this is something that you're not comfortable with or you're not um, used to it, uh, don't feel obligated. But God is waiting for you and he wants you to come uh, and he wants you to receive what he has for you. So let me pray um, and then uh, we'll move into communion. Uh, Father, just thank, we just want to thank you for you. Thank you that you are good and you are God and that you are able. Father, thank you for the body broken for us so that we may have life. Thank you for the blood that's shed for us so that we may have life. Thank you that you, by you dying, that you brought us to life with you for eternity. We didn't need to sacrifice anything but just believe. Jesus, as we wait, we ask that you would help us be strong and to take heart. Help us to remain confident in you. Help us not to walk blinded, but help us to see what it is that you have for us. Help us to hold on to hope that we have in you, Jesus. And Father, as it says in that passage, that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So Father, right now, if for those that are waiting for something to happen, whatever that is, I just ask that you would answer that immediately. You would answer that now in the name of Jesus, that you would allow them to see the goodness of you in the land of the living. But if it is waiting just another day or a week or a year for maybe longer, help them to be strong and take heart and wait for you, Jesus. So thank you that you are God, and you are a fortress, you are a refuge, and in you we have hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, During this uh, next time, we will have communion available for you on the tables surrounding the sanctuary. Um, You're welcome to stand up and either take it at the table or bring it back with you to your seat and take it there.